Welcome to Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. I'm your host, Dr. Don McDonald, author of the best-selling book, The Underdog Curse. We give vitalistic chiropractors a chance to learn from the best around the world, discovering how they overcame their challenges and achieved success. In order for chiropractic to thrive, we must have thriving chiropractors. Now listen up, it's time to crush the curse. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. This is Dr. Don McDonald, your host, and uh, we just had a previous podcast episode, a few few podcasts back with me and Brandy talking about what does money have to do with it, and I thought, what better thing to do than get the pro that I work with, who is who is a financial pro, and that's what he does, and he's super inspired about it, and uh, and I wanted to get him on the call to help all the chiropractors out there just get their financial literacy at a higher letter level. So I want to welcome um, Jonathan Gold to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, sir. Thank you. Good morning. So um, just to give a little story about how I even met Jonathan, um, many of you have heard I, I'm a Tony Robbins fan. And so I was uh, reading the book Money Mastering the Game from Tony Robbins, and he was talking about um, – well, I'll pop back even further. I, I invested over $100,000 with somebody in a real estate project and then the whole thing, I lost it all, right? So I was like, I gotta learn a little bit more about finances here because this is not working <laughs> for me to, because uh, my goal is to get the finances in a strong state. Um, as many of you know, Dr. Martini, who is my mentor, said one of the best things chiropractors could do to be better chiropractors or to help chiropractic in general in the world is to become more financially stable. And if we're more financially stable, it just, it just everything we do, we come from a, more of a state of purpose rather than a, in a state of protection or, or crisis. So I read this book, Money Mastering the Game. And they talked about something about a fiduciary because I, I, I actually had investment advisors before and then they'd invest in mutual funds and, and I didn't really realize there was a lot of hidden fees and wondering how come my returns weren't that good. That's why I actually went into this real estate project. But at least if I had no returns, it was better than losing $100,000 or $120,000 like I did. So I'm like, I got to look for a fiduciary. I got to look for, for someone who's going to represent me first. Um, and then, and then invest with my best interest, not having hitting fees where they're getting back end money paid and I don't know what, what's going on. So I, I looked and looked and that's how I found Jonathan. And, uh, and when I found Jonathan, I think I started investing, was it a couple of years ago? What? Three, four years ago? I think it's been since 20, 2013 or maybe 2014, 2014. Yeah. And so it's, and I went in very cautiously uh, because again, this guy that I lost all this money with, I referred a bunch of people to, and I thought it was great and they lost money too. So, so I was very cautious with referring anybody because I was like, uh, that didn't go very good last time. And, and so now that I'm learning more and more about this, I think this is, this is pretty good. So I wanted to actually bring him on the call to, uh, to, to help all the chiropractors out there get just a little bit more money, money savvy. So we want to kind of understand this. So so first of all, Jonathan, tell me a little bit about yourself right now, like the company that you own and, and the things that you like doing as far as investing goes. Sure, sure. Well, um, the firm is called Gold Investment Management, and we're an Edmonton, Alberta-based um, investment manager. Um, we're basically a, a small shop, a private boutique investment firm with six, uh, six employees, four portfolio managers, and two administrators. And we are very focused on one thing only, 
and that's investment council. So we don't sell insurance, we don't sell a myriad of products, we, we strictly do investment management. So we're very pure and very focused. That's cool. And how long have you had, have you had this uh, company for? Um, this is our, um, I guess it's our 11th year. That's awesome. And, and yeah, we've so been around a while. When we go into your history, we'll kind of talk about how that came apart because this is called the underdog curse, right? So we always talk about sometimes if we're in partnerships or if things go sideways, how we recover. And, and so we'll go through your story, which would be kind of cool. Good. So I'm curious to know where I fit. <laughs> <laughs> so like I like to do with all my guests is just tell me a little bit about like kind of your upbringing and what actually got you interested in, in investing in the first place. Hmm. That's a good question. You know, I think I've always been um, fascinated by money. Um, so I, I literally, since as far back as I could remember, I think there's, I'm not sure if it's a um, sort of urban myth or it's actually true, but apparently my first word that I spoke was vault. Was vault. <laughs> yeah. And I was with my mom uh, in a bank and I pointed to a vault door. Yeah. So, I think I've always been uh, <laughs> in love with money, banking, finance, and um, yeah, I guess around my mid mid teens, when most people are doing other things, whether it's sports or women, or I was doing that too. But <laughs> I, I, ha I was already gravitating towards um, stocks and bonds. I was very fortunate that I had some great uncles that were equity investors. And, and while they didn't teach anything to my father, they, they taught a lot to me. And I asked a lot of questions and that kind of got me going in my mid-teens or early, early teens. That's cool because I think we were talking about this before too. And, and I remember like when I was a kid, uh, my dad was interested in, in stocks in the stock market. And, uh, and at that time, I think I bought a thousand ounces of silver or no, a hundred ounces of silver. And, um, and then my dad would get, cause that was before the internet days. And so at the end of every day, we'd get a, we'd get a message from a stockbroker that would be like, this is the high, this is the low, this is the close. And I actually, I graphed out silver, I think for two years. So I had a wall. Oh, fantastic. Um, is that kind of the stuff that you learned from your uncles? Um, not, not particularly, uh, you know, precious metals or silver per se. Um, for them, it was more, more high level, that you, you can, I guess, develop uh, tremendous wealth by investing in, in common stocks. So um, that, you know, that was my start. They, they, held, they held basic, basic names like Pepsi and, you know, General Electric, although that's fallen on hard times. But, um, no, they, they invested in the blue chips. Yeah. And, um, you know, from that, I, I took a few courses initially and then, then I began uh, a voracious reading program. I, I must have read everything in sight. And then I also embarked um, wholesale on the professional courses. I just ate, ate up the courses. That's cool. And so did you, so through high school, did you, when did you first start investing? Did you actually invest in high school or did it, was it after college? Or? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I, I was a little GIC uh, squirrel um, before, you know, because of course, you can't open an investment account until you're of the age of majority, but uh, the rules with banking are different. Um, so I had a bank account and I had GICs well before I was 18. And, and I actually dreamed of, of compounding and compound interest and, uh, and sort of charting out. I love doing calculations. Yeah. So 
whether it's calculating the, the speed of light and how long that would travel for a year and multiplying it out, I would, I would always sort of multiply out GIC growth rates uh, to the nth degree and just it would be a very long number at the end. That's cool. That and really I, got me excited. And I think that that's that's kind of the thing we talk about. The price needs to be worth the promise, right? Because I know uh, when we're working with a lot of chiropractors and we're trying to get them to save, even at the beginning, if they don't have that much money to save, um, if you can if you can future forecast what that would grow to down the road, that's more of an exciting number to to kind of make that price or the or the perceived sacrifice up front worth the value down the road. Oh yeah, well they say it's the most powerful force in the universe. Yeah. And I, and I love that. That's like when, that's when we first met you. I, when I first met you, <laughs> the first thing you said is that I love compound interest. Right. And I'm like, well, that's, that sounds like a kind of a cool thing. <laughs> yeah. So when you, you went to, uh, did you go to university and, and did you knew you were going to get into finance right away? Like, did you? Oh yeah. Yeah. Right? I, um, I actually went to university as a mature student. So I kind of mucked around a little bit in the early days, but I was doing my professional courses and investing um, and then in my early 20s, I was admitted to Concordia University in Montreal um, in their finance program. Oh, cool. So I completed a Bachelor of Commerce with a major in finance. That's awesome. What made you go to Montreal? Uh, well, that's, that's where I'm born and, uh, and raised. Oh, that's where you raised. So you, you, didn't, yeah. uh, you didn't grow up in Edmonton. Okay, that's right. Nope. And so what, what made you decide? So after you graduated in Montreal, mm-hmm. what happened after that? Well, I um, spent some time working in Montreal in uh, actually banking and trading, uh, but it was, it was pretty low level, low level trading, you know, discount brokerage, call handling. You know, we thought we were traders, but we were just call handlers. Yeah. But um, I, got, I got a break when I moved to Toronto. I um, started off on an institutional, uh, in an institutional firm. Um, on the junior side, then I got a break and I was moved over to the institutional trading desk. And, and, you know, at that point we were trading large blocks of stock and, and it was very exciting. It was a time when stocks actually traded in fractions and I'll never forget. I went to bed one, one night and, uh, say Royal bank was quoted at 54 and an eighth and, and I woke up and it was, uh, 54, 15, they called that decimal conversion. So oh. we were really shocked. <laughs> Literally fractions disappeared overnight and we moved into nickels and then pennies. And uh, it was, it was a, a very dynamic time in the, um, in the equity markets. That's kind of cool. A lot of people probably don't even know what that means. <laughs> no, we were dinosaurs. We actually traded on the floor with hand signals and then we migrated to the tower where you actually used a computer and traded. And um, it was a different time. That's kind of cool. It's but I'm cool. glad I lived through it. Yeah, well, and it'd be a good experience, right? Because uh, you, oh yeah, seen, it was so exciting. Spectrum, right? So, what did you do? How how did you end up getting to Edmonton? Well, they they say that the uh, a trader has a uh, a short lifespan. It's uh, some pretty hard living, and um, eventually traders burn out, and and the number of trading jobs were uh, were declining, and most you know some traders, I should say, would aspire to be portfolio managers. That, that would be a uh, sort of a higher state of being. And yeah. um, so I aspired to be a portfolio manager. I, I did my CFA uh, program. I went through the program and got the uh, chartered financial analyst designation. Yeah. And, and that was quite, uh, quite rigorous, three years and um, about 600 hours in total of study, maybe more. 
Yeah. And, um, and then I, I moved to Edmonton and uh, started up with a, um, uh, I guess, a very, very small investment boutique as a uh, sort of junior, junior partner. That's cool. And, and, and if this brings back a memory, did you have a, a challenge there where you had to kind of break away from there when you opened up your own place? Oh, yeah. We had a um, – that, that firm ran about five years, and yeah. um, ultimately I was a shareholder, but a minority shareholder. We had a dispute over philosophy and other things. Yeah. And, uh, don't worry, chiropractors kind – of precipit- I was going to say, don't worry, chiropractors <laughs> totally know that well, so this will be – Oh, yeah. Th- th- we no, always want to know pivotal, how <laughs> – yeah. Exactly. It was a pivotal event. We, um, we had our split, and then, um, and then Gold Investment was started. That's cool. And, and what did, did you, were you always inspired to have your own company or how did, how did that transition going from kind no, of that breakup no, to, no, owning I was business? absolutely frightened to death. My wife's the entrepreneur, not me. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how did you do it then? Like, was it, was it her encouraging you or how did that happen? You know, to be honest, um, my first reaction was to flee. Right. Uh, it was to flee and go back to Montreal with my tail in between my legs. I was beaten down and uh, I just said to her, that's it. We're packing our bags. And she's like, the hell with that. You're going to start gold investment management. And I thought, "Hmm, that's, that's, yeah, it's got a nice ring to it. Gold investment. (laughs) It is an awesome last name for an investment guy though. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So yeah, that's how it started. She actually ordered me to uh, get out there and start pounding the pavement and talking to the clients that I've been working with. That's great. Well, and again, I'm the same as my wife, Brandy was a huge inspiration for me to kind of get my button gear and not feel sore for myself and my business too. So it's, it's kind of cool how in a marriage you get that. Uh, it's like, I think Napoleon Hill said the, the best mastermind you can ever have is, is with your husband or wife, right? Cause you guys just spend so much time together. Right on. So you opened it up and that was about 11 years ago. That's right. Awesome. Yeah, it's hard to believe it's been that long. That's cool. And so, so you've now grown because you're, you're managing quite a large sum, aren't you? Yeah, we're, um, the firm has definitely grown. Um, we're, we're at about $350 million today. That's, that's not bad. <laughs> not bad, but I guess by Canadian standards, that puts us at uh, a small, a small medium firm. Right. That's perfect. Okay. Now let's get back to some of the things for um, our listeners out there. Um, now, if someone's in practice, and I'll just use this as an example. If, if, I, if I'm a, a new um, chiropractor who's just kind of comes out of school, you have like $200,000 student loan debt and you're just starting your practice, you've been working your butt off and, and, and you're thinking in your brain, maybe I'll just pay my debt off and I'll wait to start saving. Um, what would you say to someone like that or, or what kind of advice would you have for someone like that? Um, you know what? I think it really depends on at what rate of interest your, your debt is carried. Right. Sometimes students have low interest loans and, yeah. and while they shouldn't ignore them, they should get them dealt with and, and cleared off. Uh-huh. Um, I'm actually a big fan of trying to accomplish uh, both things. So yeah. in investing and, and debt repayment, it's kind of like the mortgage versus retirement plan question. Yeah. So I, I think it's very important that uh, they, they tend to both items and I really don't like to see one or the other because they, they both have benefits. Totally. So is it kind of, kind of have more of a balanced approach? 
Yeah, I mean, paying off debt is, is actually a risk-free proposition. So it is very attractive. Once you pay off debt, that, that is a guaranteed return because you're saving that interest. And, and it's basically a risk-free proposition. Mm -hmm. So paying off high-rate debt is actually a hell of a deal. But if right. it's lower-rate debt, um, you might want to mix in starting your investment program and enjoying that long run of compounding. That's cool. And, and, and for someone who doesn't really know anything about investing, what, where, where could be a first thing for them to start, like a place for them to get started? Well, there's, there's a number of publications, you know, all over the internet, bookstores. Um, they could also open an account with, with a portfolio manager, someone who actually um, acts as a fiduciary to their clients and not just a, um, say a, an investment salesperson. Right. And, and maybe tell us a little bit of difference. Like I've, I've talked about that because I didn't even know what the word fiduciary even meant until I read that Tony Robbins book. Um, what, what would be the difference between a, a, a fiduciary and an investment person who just kind of sells you into mutual funds? Well, I guess, I guess the, the, the legal distinction is that uh, a fiduciary is, um, it involves a relationship of trust and, um, it's basically a trustee that has a relation, a, uh, a relationship of trust with a beneficiary. So that, that would be your, your legal definition. Mm -hmm. and, and in practice, what it really means is we are legally bound. Um, you'd hope you would be morally bound, which we right. are, but you're also legally bound to put your client's interest first. It's that simple. And that's not to say we're not a profit-seeking uh, organization. We're not running a charity. But even in the pursuit of a profit, we put our client's interest first. And we, we put our interest um, really in, in the back seat. I, I don't obsess about my account really at all. Um, I, I know my investments are well, you know, well managed and, and organized, and, and I can focus on my clients first and foremost. And, and for the most part, I'm actually doing the same things for my clients as I'm doing for myself. So it really minimizes any potential conflict. I have yeah. a conviction on what I do, and I do it for my family and, and clients as well. That's cool. And so, um, so if someone wanted to find a fiduciary, cause I know you are licensed in Canada, the United States, and you can deal with anybody like you're talking, I think you can deal with anybody as long as you're not from Iraq or North yeah, Korea. Pretty much uh, Myanmar, <laughs> Iraq. We cannot deal with you. Sorry. Yeah. Not going to work in North Korea. Sorry. <laughs> but beyond those countries, we're pretty much good to go. Um, for our foreign clients, we would actually use um, our custodian with uh, interactive brokers uh, mm -hmm. and our U.S. clients. And yeah. then for, um, for anyone that wants to work with us in Canada, we are licensed in six provinces from B.C. to Quebec. That's cool. Well, that's good. Mm -hmm. and, and I was just going to talk about some of the kind of the, the fallacies that, that I've kind of learned um, over the years. And, and one of them was... Um, you want to buy a stock low and then just sell it when it's high. And, um, and tell me a little bit about the difference in philosophy, because that's kind of how <laughs> I, I was. And so then you're looking at your portfolio basically every month or two, and you're only kind of basing the value of it is if it went up or down. And then you basically for sure. you have bipolar. <laughs> because for sure. I mean, ask, ask anyone for a stock tip and they'll tell you buy low, sell high. So it's, it's definitely, uh, you know, an, an, an overused adage. Um, the, the truth is we, um, we don't even care if stocks, uh, go up. We, we don't even want them to go up to be, to be quite honest. 
it uh, really upends the um, the philosophy. Um, yeah. It's something opinion, totally you haven't heard of before. It's like, whoa. Yeah, exactly. We, we, we actually don't want stocks to go up. Now, hmm. you know, we don't want them plummeting and we don't want them soaring. We kind of like just a muddle phase. And I'll tell you why. Because for us, it's really not about buying low and selling high. That's likely going to happen anyways. Um, right. we, we actually want to collect income over long stretches and reinvest that income. For us, that's where the money is. Income reinvested. And, and a, a tidy little capital gain over time typically follows. Mm-hmm. And, and that's basically when, uh, and people might not even know what, what that is, but can you kind of maybe define like what a dividend is and how, how that gets distributed? Well, un, unlike a, um, when, when you're a bond investor, you, you're a lender to the company and you're promised a fixed coupon Hence, uh, fixed income, uh, it's interchangeable with bonds. Yeah. And, and the problem with fixed income is you're, you're, on a, you're basically on a fixed income. So you're not getting any raises. And after inflation and taxes, you can even earn negative, negative returns. So in a period where inflation is picking up a little, and that could be a place we're in now, uh, bonds are uh, not very appealing. Mm-hmm. Whereas stocks, you're actually a business owner. And... As a business owner, you take on a little extra risk. You have the risk of the business, but you also enjoy the rewards. And um, basically, as a shareholder, you're entitled to a share of the profits. And, and companies, typically more senior companies, pay regular dividends, whether it's quarterly or monthly. And you participate in that dividend payment. And of course, dividends, unlike fixed income, uh, dividends can be increased over time. And uh, as a company's fortunes rise, so do the dividend payouts typically. Mm. So you're getting a rising share price and an, uh, and a dividend increase. That's pretty cool. And <clears throat> and it's funny because I remember my dad gave me a book uh, when I was a kid, and it was called uh, something like The Secrets of a Drip of the Drip Program, and that was Dividend Reinvestment Program. I was wondering if you can kind of maybe describe to listeners a little bit about what that is. Oh yeah, we um, we actively use the drips. We love the drips. We talk about drips all day. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it's um, the beauty of the drip is it's it's automatic. It's the classic set it and forget it. So not only are you buying a great stock that's pumping out dividends regularly, but the next phase is to have those dividends automatically reinvested. And for anyone in a brokerage account, it typically does not attract any commissions. Sometimes the company even gives you a kicker, whether it's two, three, or five percent. Sometimes there's no no uh, additional discount, yeah. but to have your dividends reinvested automatically, um, it just adds adds uh, fuel to the fire in terms of compound growth. And uh, when you put it all together, it it really just kickstarts your portfolio and then gives you tremendous growth in the later years. Now, of course, you can mimic a drip by just buying on a regular basis, but um, wherever a drip is offered, we typically take advantage of it. Well, and, and yeah, because if you had your own, say you had your own brokerage, because I, I you know I got a buddy, he's like, I like to look after my own investments, which again, I don't do that because I used, I like to use my brain for my genius. And, uh, and then I use your brain for that part. But, <laughs> but if you, if you uh, had a, had stocks and say you had it in like a, like a discount brokerage and then you get paid out a dividend and if you were trying to reinvest it you'd have to pay commission right to buy more yeah if, if you didn't if you didn't um, make use of the drip program 
typically you would have to pay an additional commission to make each you know small trade. So mm -hmm. drips are actually uh, an excellent facility for smaller investors, and and most discount brokerages today will will gladly enroll you in their drip program. So for anyone that's a do-it-yourselfer, it's a great uh, it's a great way to go. And then you know for for our clients, we actually still make use of drips. Uh, for, for many accounts, but mainly for the long-term investors. Anyone that obviously requires the cash flow from the dividend for, say, living expenses, they wouldn't be a candidate for a DRIP program. Okay, and, and that's something that we, we could also talk about down the road because in the first phase of your professional life, you're, you're, you're basically stocking away as much as you can. And, Absolutely. And, and then it can get to the point where, like you said, one of the goals was that if you could actually live like down the road, if you could actually live a lot off of those, off that uh, income. Totally. So, yeah, um, and, um, sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, you know, speaking of uh, accumulation phase, I um, put a little example on, on one of my trusted Excel sheets. And just to give your uh, listeners an idea, um, if say someone put away $100,000 lump sum at 5% and just left it for 20 years, uh, that 100,000 would grow to 265,000 uh, over a period of 20 years, just from compounding of that lump sum, no additional contributions. Yes. But if this person was a prodigious saver and also salted away $1,000 a month uh, as a pack, a pre-authorized contribution, that thousand a month would add an additional $411,478. So if you put them together, starting with 100K and contributing 1,000 a month, you'd end up with $677,000 over a period of 20 years. Yeah, and that's pretty cool, because I think yeah. it, it makes it a big difference when you actually add it up to the end and see like, and, and also that puts a point then it's better to start saving early, right? It absolutely is. And also don't let anyone tell you that 15% is going to be an expected return. We like to use something more like five. It's, um, you know, the, the long run return on stocks has been about seven over the last 200 years. Yep. So we would rather um, under promise than over deliver. That's, uh, that's great because that's then if it does better than that, that's even bonus, right? Yeah, we have, we have no idea what's going to happen, and we would rather err on the side of caution. So we figure using 5%, it's for informational purposes only. We don't know what's going to happen. No one has a crystal ball, but it's, it's a good starting point. It kind of maps it out. That's excellent. So, so um, is there anything I haven't asked you? Like, is, is there something that, that is uh, a common question that people ask you that, they, that they're not familiar with that you, that you know they should be asking? Well, they need to know how they can join. They can go to our website, which is gold-im.com, and they can email us or click on the form, and um, basically we'll, we'll respond to them, and they could open an account with us. That's cool. And, then, and like you said, you're, you're, you're available anywhere basically in the world you can look after. You can look after some people. Pretty much, absolutely. That's excellent. Well, I, uh, I want to thank you very much, Jonathan, for uh, taking the time to being on our podcast. It's my pleasure. Cool. And, and everybody out there, I hope you took some of this information and uh, you can uh, uh, implement it right away. I wanted to get one of the experts on because uh, we're talking, you know, we're talking about the importance of finances and, and looking after your income and all that kind of stuff. But I wanted to get it from, um, 
from a professional's point of view. So uh, if you want to reach out, uh, send Jonathan an email. If you have any questions, you can, you can chat with him. And uh, until next time, don't forget to crush the curse. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you receive value from this episode, please take some time to rate and review us on iTunes or your favorite place to listen to podcasts. If you know a fellow chiropractor that could benefit from this message, please share it with them. Because it's my goal to provide you with great content, please contact me if you have any questions at drdonmcdonald.com or find me on Facebook. I look forward to hearing from you. So until next time, Dr. Don out.